Good evening again. Thank you for coming tonight. Pray and trust as we've been praying and singing, you'll be blessed in our fellowship, in the Word. And those online, welcome. It's a blessing to share the Word, getting better at it. Um, but trust that as you're encouraged as I am. Um, let's go to our text, in, as Pastor mentioned, in John 11. We've been working through the miracles in John. This is the number 7, uh, John 7. The raising of Lazarus. Probably heard that one before. Um, uh, 11, 1 to 16. Let me read those verses. Now, you're going to actually say, you're not actually going to read the actual miracle. No, no, because um, it might even be three sermons on this one because it's the whole chapter and it even goes into the next chapter. There's a lot of lead up. That's why I've called tonight's message Preparations for Transformation. And this can definitely will apply. Hopefully we can make application to our lives tonight. And as we think of that, thank you for your prayers in pre pre preparing this message. I appreciate that very much. Um, so let's read that. I'll read 1 to 16 and we'll, we'll, we'll start from there. Of chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any, not, if any, man, walk not, uh, if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of his of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, no, that's where we're going to stop, 16. That'll be the next part. Um, let's pray, ask the Lord to help us as we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us this day in everything you've done in providing for our needs that we can be here today both physically and, Lord, spiritually, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints 
It encourages us, Lord. It, it is a great edification, especially as your Holy Spirit ministers through our fellowship, through the word, through the, the songs, the hymns we've sung, and through prayer, Lord. And we, we pray that you are glorified tonight through this um, and others who are watching that cannot be with us, Lord. And we do pray you'll guide me um, through the study that I've done and your spirit will have prepared each of our hearts as we've been praying to receive this word, Lord, with gladness, with expectation of your doing a work, Lord, in our lives, in increasing as you were desiring in Martha and Mary and the disciples that which was lacking in their faith, in drawing them even closer in their love to thyself, Lord. We ask this and thank you that this is all possible through the finished work of the cross, through the forgiveness of sin, through the blood that was shed that cleanses us from all sin, Lord. And we ask these things now as we rejoice in our salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we begin, what are the three P's of painting? All right, there's painting and there's painting, but if you want to do a good job, a good paint job, you may have heard of the three P's. It's not my three points tonight, but it's preparation, preparation and preparation. We had a little bit of experience with an older home we had before the one we have now where it required a bit of painting. And... Um, Removing the old and adding the new. Cleaning, sanding, wiping, removing the old dead wood, the rust, any contaminants, might maybe a bit of oil, or that will stop the new paint from sticking, from holding on, from enduring, especially when the hard elements come, like the sun, the heat, the wind, the rain, the freezing cold. These hard elements picture in our life also the letdowns, the disloyalties, the distrust, the separations, the losses and so on that we experience. But when the new paint has been applied, which is a picture of the new life we have in Christ as we've sung about his glory tonight. Now, I'm not talking specifically about salvation. Yes, that's where it all starts. New life begins, born again. But what we're looking at in the context tonight is the new life that... Our understanding as we, and obedience, like as Jesus was showing his disciples and even Mary and Martha in that, our obedience and faith growing. Sometimes we have to wait for his glory to be revealed to us in his time. This is like waiting for the new paint to dry. Some paints take longer than others to dry. And then the circumstances controlling that, like paint can dry quicker with the sun and the wind that are exposed. Because if you have no air, paint won't dry. Like that's why we keep it in a sealed container. But God is able to do a greater work in us if we allow him to clean us through his son, through the word of God, prepare us by his Holy Spirit, as we wait for God to do the work in us before God's glory can be revealed in us. We're going to start looking at that question tonight in preparation, looking at the preparation of this miracle. We don't actually get, as I mentioned before, to look at the miracle, but the preparation is laid out in three points. And those three points are on Telegram, at least 
put them on there. Um, the first one being in our preparations for transformation, that is for God to be able to reveal his glory through us as he did in Lazarus, is devotion. Devotion of love and loyalty and faithfulness. And that definitely is what Mary, Martha, as we look at their life, and Lazarus showed to the Lord Jesus in his ministry here on earth. And the Hebrew form for Lazarus, the word is Eliezer, which means Eliezer, which means God is my helper. And this is very fitting for one um, who was you who was helped by God. And the topic I want to look at in this point of devotion is our close relationship with Jesus and um, the glory of quiet home service and to the Lord, even as we think of our homes and. Martha, we read, like in Luke 10 in the gospel there, she received the Lord Jesus. And that word received portrays like when you handle something and receive it very carefully and delicately. That's how she received Jesus, means hands under. Um, And they had great fellowship as we see, as he loved it. He loved them for it, as we have seen. And They knew his standards of righteousness, his holiness, his purity, and they practiced that themselves in their knowledge, in in that love and forgiveness, and in, in their knowledge of the word, which we'll see in a little bit. The key idea is finding relief in telling it to Jesus. All right, we read that. Lazarus was sick and they told Jesus and there, and not directly, but through a messenger of some sort, and he heard Um, And we're looking at this amazingly on Tuesday night. I thought it was wonderful to be able to review that in having been preparing for tonight and and the time that obviously... I'm not going to look at all the time frames, but just more these points of um, when Lazarus died, when the message got to Jesus and how long... Like We're going to look at the delay. That'll be our second point. And, And then the third point will be the development of faith in the response to that delay. So Bethany, here we are, the town of Mary and her sister Martha and Lazarus, who was now sick. And we pick up on the idea again that this was a home frequented by Jesus at times. It was in his ministry on earth. And you could say, as we've heard, the home away from home. A home where Jesus felt embraced as if... He was one of their own in the flesh as a man and, and also in the spirit as the son of God um, in that fellowship. He was, it was a place where he could lay his head. And um, as we know, Like from Luke 9.58, Jesus makes, he says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And that was obviously referring to the majority of his travelling ministry. But Bethany, um, situated on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives, about 2.4 k's east of 
Jerusalem there, there was a home where Jesus could lay his head, where he could relax. Jesus never felt he was a burden, only a blessing. The thought comes in our homes as believers, as do we make Jesus feel like a burden or a blessing? Does Jesus feel as welcome in our homes as he did in the home of Martha, Mary and Lazarus in their service and communing with him? And uh, with him in their presence, I only can see it would have been constant. Constantly giving of themselves in service and deep friendship, not just a, a friendship but a deep one, a sanctuary of peace and harmony in the spirit of God from the outside world. They had sweet fellowship in the scriptures because they, and this is where we look, believed and knew God's word also and shared that as they did here. And we see in verse 24 of chapter 11 in her response to the Lord Jesus, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She knew her Old Testament. And uh, in fact, we see in verse 19 and verse 23, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And, 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 and 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, they, they all were bracing them in this hour of grief, which, which came... With her, and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. But we see that many Jews came to comfort Martha and Mary because they had been comforted by them, that family, that home, as they did Jesus and the true devotion and testimony of God um, in true devotion there. And so the family was a true light in that little village of Bethany. They were known for their hospitality, their giving, their kindness. And if we just flick over to chapter 12, because actually John refers to it in verse 2 of our text about it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. And then the actual account is given in the next chapter. But it's interesting John mentions that before it actually um, happened. But he wrote this after all. You know, it all happened. But verse uh, 2 there, they made him supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of ointment in verse 3 of spikenard. And we need to see it. It was very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. And that there talks about when Judas complains about that. It could have been given to the poor. This could have been sold for 300 pence there in verse 5. That was about, look, looking at different commentators, about $50. But that $50 in that culture in the first century was something only wealthy people could afford um, because it was class there, very expensive. And that bottle of perfume... But we see, so we see that this obviously indicates they were not a part of the poor of the area. They, they were not poor. Um, they were maybe well-to-do financially, just well careful with their finances. But this special opportunity to um, give to the Lord of, of 
a great substance. This is, we see in Mary's deep, intimate devotion to the Lord, her Saviour. Jesus could have and may have spoken of his coming crucifixion, which is not very far away now. And she may have even been very aware, even noticing his weariness and the heaviness, the pain of what soon will be the suffering he would endure for her sins and ours on the cross. And But what we need to know in this little illustration is how the Lord appreciates there in verse 7 such sexual, sacrificial giving of ourselves in such devotion to him in his suffering and dying for us. Then he said, Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying. Has she kept this? And in fact, the Lord Jesus appreciated this so much that if we're not going to look there, but Matthew 26, 13 of this account, he, he talks about her name will be mentioned to the end of the earth, to the end of time as a memorial for what she did. And so Jesus was on his way to a terrible death and sought, if only, we see this passing through this time, not staying, if only for an hour or two, some calm, sweet fellowship with this family he loved. And uh, when we look at our text in verse 1 to 6, you might see a word that keeps popping up, like a key word. Um, and it's actually sick. It's sickness, like talking about the sickness of Lazarus between Mary and well, John explaining it in verse 1 and then Mary and Martha sending the messenger and the Lord even referencing it himself. And then the next one is love or lovest in his love for Lazarus and, and, and for Mary and her sister. And loved by the Lord but taken sick at this time. And a physical illustration of in looking at this, a spiritual truth of deep love and devotion to the Lord should bring about, in really wanting to know him and please him, a soul sickness. You may have heard that word, but just explaining that, this is a deep inward pain of our own helplessness, of our own hopelessness apart from Christ. Um, when we realise how worthy he is and how unworthy we are, in deserving anything of his love or care. So what should be and leading to a humble emptying of ourselves, laying aside ourselves bare before the Lord and uh, waiting even to the point of feeling abandoned by God himself. And maybe this is how Mary and Martha were feeling. We wonder why. Maybe they could have sent a messenger out earlier or... or um, Lazarus, when it, we're not looking at that, but the four days and he, he, what it works out, he was already dead by the time the messenger got to Lazarus. When you count that back, and but even to the point maybe of feeling abandoned by God Himself. Now, in our like spiritual sickness, we cry out for the Comforter to come in in our and God sends his Holy Spirit as believers who... And then we're, we're convicted of, of secret and besetting sin and we deal with sin as God makes known to us through that time, through his word. And in our humble confession before God, who is preparing us for bigger and deeper spiritual blessings in devotion to him. Like we always can think of, some great examples like Joseph in the way the Lord prepared him 
and uh, moulded him in, in those setbacks, in, as we'll look in the next point. And, uh, and Moses and the time that that took, and 80 years we know, but behold, we see in verse 3, behold that of the messenger. And this implies a measure of surprise in that two sisters did not tell Jesus what to do, we see. He's simply like stating their message of, of reminding Jesus of his love for Lazarus and that he was sick and un, well, he was dying. It was this sick here portrays a sick that was going to like he was going to die from. And they knew it was for, dangerous also for Jesus to return because they had seen the aggression and the hate to Judea by the Jews, especially the religious ones that had previously we'd looked at picking up stones even there at the temple when he healed the, bl- the man who was born blind to stone him and getting away on some multiple occasions because it was not God's will for him to be hurt then or killed. They had hoped in his omniscient or knowing power, like could he not um, been able to speak the word of healing sooner to heal Lazarus as he had done with other occasions sooner with other miracles and healings and and other resurrections but this was going to be the greatest combination because our desire for full devotion to God should be as the apostle Paul sums it up in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. This is this conformable, this is the emptiness of ourselves, as if you're dead, you're emptied of everything from this world, aren't you? Like you to only for his to know his will for our lives. And that leads us, alright, what we see now as we see their devotion and that, and that, and I, the, the setback, the detour in the key idea of this next point: delay, the delay of Jesus in this urgency, and um, the waiting period. You could call it accepting that where Jesus waited two days, as we read there, the news of the sickness. And it was a part of Christ's plan for the miracle he was about to perform in God's providential will, even towards those that he loves, which he loves us, who are his children. And we've had, even recently, we've been praying, a prayer meeting, and know of setbacks, even in this church. And, and like, especially with health issues, and like we've been praying for Vicky, and I've been allowed to talk about this thank you just in that setback this tuesday was going to be that operation it was set the surgeon was ready the hospital was ready and then there was a setback that which you know it was just like pastor mcconnell rang me at work just to share with me because i'd been asking a lot of questions and been you know we'd all been praying about that and it, it yeah and then then Pastor McConnell shares, you know, their encouragement that the Lord, because through their life experiences and ours and the detours of the Lord and he has, and, and many of these we won't know until eternity. 
his providential will in our lives in keeping us from some greater danger and talk to him about a massive bomb that went off before he came to Australia, how he was meant to be there at that bus stop. We heard that on Wednesday night and just, like, many people were killed and injured and he can share that with you um, in that time, as we know, with, like, the IRA and that and the problem. And just by a door not opening, a sliding door at the bus stop where he had to walk around the bottom of this huge barrier that was going to be the protection of saving his life, most obviously. Um, But... Thinking of Caleb, like, Caleb won't mind, like, we know that, you know, just with, we've been praying and, and seeing the specialist and the operation and his knee and just at this time, these setbacks, especially for young people, it's not easy when they have setbacks. And so the Lord is working. I pray that you can be encouraged, all of us, with your own setbacks um, and delays and even silence of, what we might think in unanswered prayer or delayed prayer, to things that are just seem to be not taking so long. And we just got to think of Mary and Martha in that um, element of, because uh, I said, behold, that element of surprise. That, like, why haven't you done anything about this? Like, you're, he's, you love him and he loves you. And, but the Lord had a greater plan and purpose, which we'll see. So delay did not bring about what we need to realise, Lazarus's death, right? And that, and this is what the left would say it did. And, you know, they just twist the truth. And um, Jesus already knew that he had not died uh, in verse 5. And we see of that love. And we see the first reason of, of why the delay. And it was in that love and our love for us to strengthen our faith, to strengthen their faith and witness so God could be glorified at the end of verse 4. And by raising him from the dead, this miracle, and the second reason, it, it was going to be a, a genuine resurrection. It was a, in the culmination of all these miracles that John records, there, there was going to be no mere resuscitation. He was going to be dead, like rotting. Um, couldn't deny that and it was going to eliminate any misinterpretation of fraud and this was so effective that we see in John chapter 12 verse 10 that they even wanted the chief priests consulted how they might put Lazarus to death like after being made alive like um, they wanted to kill him this testimony that was so effective and that was their only way they could deal with it they couldn't um, dispute it, and many were getting saved. Many were believing, and even there, as the verse eleven and chapter twelve, they were still believing, by because many Jews wanted because this was right as we see before the Passover at the start of chapter twelve. And what happens again? Many people from all over, many Jews, come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and many of these are from. Different lands are wanting to see because they've heard about this great miracle and, 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 and they believe, yeah, this is real. And so, so effective. We have the hymn which we're going we're gonna to sing at the end of this message, Wait on the Lord in the wilds. Trust his word in his time. He will give you his best. If anyone 
understood what it means to wait on the Lord, it would have to be a seasoned missionary from the last century, driven by such a devotion to God. And I'm not underestimating um, the missionaries today, but these had less uh, resources and communication and a lot less in that faith they needed. Um, and, joy, and his joy was increased through unbelievable hardships, waiting wearily on the Lord in prayer. And you could name a few, but the one I want to look at is Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission. 14, he gave his heart to God. And uh, I want to read from this a bit of his testimony. He got saved. And that was through... I just. All right, look, he was born in a Christian family. He finally gave his heart to God after much weary prayer, especially from his mum and his sister. At the age of 14, he was saved with youthful sincerity. It was a true salvation. And God burdened Hudson Taylor as they were also praying for him, having a burden for foreign missions, to go to China. And he had that burden from a young age. But the Lord had much preparation, as we're looking at tonight, for the transformation, for his glory, delays and setbacks and detours before he would see any true fruit of that success. And I'll just quickly, and more, this point I want to sort of use as an illustration into finishing off with our third point. And um, there was going to be many years of tedious study, enormous self-sacrifice in organising himself and his meagre financial resources now, when he finally set out to China, 1854, on his first trip, circumstances proved far from favourable. And here we see that waiting and that setback, that delay. That, that Shanghai was still in the grip of war, accommodation almost unattainable, and food at famine prices when he arrived after a perilous voyage of five months. There were sharp street fighting on the street he witnessed from the window of his house and he was able to render first aid through medical training that he had to the wounded. The Chinese Evangelization Society actually made it more difficult for Hudson. Over the next few years, Hudson Taylor knew both the triumph of winning Chinese souls for Christ and exhaustion of working superhuman hours in impossible circumstances, but his resolution never wavered in spite of all the obstacles and setbacks. Now, you're getting the idea that conditions became tough and his frail human body, weary, despair on him, even to, even unto greater effort, in, he, he determined in pursuit of his goal. And what helped him was remembering the souls already that had been able, he had been able to lead to the Lord. Other obstacles included after his first six years, he went back to London to resume and finish his medical studies and revise in that translation the Ninpo Testament in that language. Hudson Taylor, now married with a wife and four young children, sought to evangelise the whole of inland China. Some of the setbacks where he was unable to gain support from any of the established missionary societies already involved in that part of the world so by faith, and he was encouraged by George Mueller, to, he set up China Inland Mission, convinced that God had called him from this purpose, for this purpose, he reluctantly had to cut his links and strike out in full faith. There was encouragement of new 
converts. But with that, Mrs. Taylor, in a letter that she wrote back to an English friend, quote, perhaps the Lord says that we need sorrows to keep us from being elated at the rich blessing he is giving to our work. And even shortly after penning this sad letter was the death of their only daughter, Grace. Then eight years old, a little, uh, who was eight years old, and a little later, their five-year-old son succumbed to a chronic health problem, dying even while his parents were making arrangements for him to travel to England with the other children and, and the, of the family that were left in the care of Hudson's Taylor's devoted secretary to take them back. And then finally, Mrs. Taylor's own life ebbed away after giving birth to a son who only survived a short while while she lived long enough to make arrangements for the infant's funeral and to receive the news with gratitude that other children had safely reached England and had given a, been given a warm and loving welcome from mission staff back home and relatives there. Now, even as Hudson Taylor knelt by his wife's bed and committed her weary body to the Lord's safekeeping, with almost the same breath, he solemnly rededicated himself to the Lord's service. Days and months of ill health after the death of his wife and loneliness followed him. Even the unenviable task he had to face in writing a letter to those poor homesick children just newly arrived in England that their mother had departed this life. Hudson Taylor remained the director for another 30 years. Many, many Chinese souls were saved. It was a steady influx also of recruits to join the mission and help, but sorrow in unbelievable hardships continued. Partial paralysis of for Hudson Taylor at one stage and the brutal massacres of refugees in the mission station itself in the fierce Boxer Rebellion of the 1900s. And he said, flesh and heart often fail. Let them fail. He faileth not. Pray very much. Pray constantly for Satan rages against us. Now, eternity will show and tell us of the full glory of God from this ministry in inland China. And we will meet many of those people that were affected by that missionary mission. God's protection and amazing provision in the delays and setbacks and we cannot comprehend them. And God's sovereign will affecting the greater glory in even the delays of answering prayer. And um, many, many of us would have given up much sooner. We wouldn't even gone back for that second trip, which was for another 30 years, if not quitted, especially. Um, but... His mother and sister, if they had not waited on the Lord in prayer for their young son and brother for salvation, when he was showing signs of rebelling even and going on for his own pursuits and, and then praying for a heart desire for foreign missions, if they had have given up too, if Hudson Taylor had not waited on the Lord in all those detours and setbacks, in all the long silences of unanswered prayer, when he would have not seen the glory of God work in God's time and providential care both physically, mentally and spiritually. What, when we think of that, what is the measure of our steadfastness for the Lord with such an example just as an illustration of Hudson Taylor and others whom you may have read of 
of this true sacrificial service for the Lord in what it truly means to empty yourself for the Lord so he, he can fill you for his glory. And are we willing in everything to, like the Apostle Paul, in the same circumstances and situation, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing? He wrote this in prison. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus as we wait upon the Lord. And I just want to finish off now with allowing that, allowing these things to develop our faith. And, and maybe we, it, we sing like refiner's fire, and that's what that's talking about a bit when we sing that, God purging us and, and um, making us fit for vessels fit for his use in taking away distractions and and baggage and 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 dealing with sin so we can fully know his will so the development of faith in preparations for transformation and that goes from 8 to 16 in finishing that text and especially again we're looking at mary martha disciples and and the jews he's ministering to and they're not Believing, but God's will, planned experiences to see by God, God's way and strengthen our faith in him. And Hudson Taylor did have a quote. You might know it. God's will done in God's way will never lack God's provision. And we, like the disciples, often fail our Lord. And we know through the word, he, the Lord, is constantly trying to use our situation, our circumstances to increase our faith. And that reminded me of Hebrews 12, where we are to be, in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. This is how in everything, in every situation, we can, as I mentioned before from 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. As believers in the Lord, having a testimony, wanting, desiring a testimony like this, this life we live for the Lord now, the importance is not about, and we... It's not about the comfort or being comfortable, yet the Lord provides those things. But the importance is how we can glorify God in all that we do with what we've got. And uh, when God manifests the opportunity, like in uh, verse 11 there, the opportunity of Lazarus having died, the Lord, um, with what we've got, when God, um, Jesus proposed to the disciples, as we read there in verse 7 to 8, that they go back after two days to the home of Lazarus. Now, we see the disciples protesting, and we would have too. Um, and this is understandable because of the recent danger they had encountered in that area of Judea. And Jesus says... In that, to that response, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. The light of the day. What Jesus was saying is, as long as man 
is in the will of God, knowing the will of God, he is safe. And Jesus knew he was in the will of God. And he's explaining this deeper meaning for their situation in building their trust and increasing their faith in God's work, which would help them after his resurrection and, as we know in Acts, in the early church. And it did tremendously. As long as he was on this earth, the Lord Jesus was saying in that verse, doing the Father's will, even at this 11th hour of his ministry, which was finishing up the public ministry and more personal ministry before his death with the disciples. But um, Jesus answered them. He would safely with them complete God's purposes, even in the face of such a strong, aggressive rejection of him that was very violent. Jesus' earthly work would end. The darkness, the nighttime, as we read there, he would stumble in death. And I thought that was a good... And we can make other meanings of this, but when we're looking at his death, bearing the darkness of sin through his own death on the cross for them and us. And that was God's will. And even with that explanation, and also we can look at if we're outside of the will of God... We will stumble. If God will allow that, he will chastise us because he loves us to get our back into his will and draw us back to himself so that we're knowing and comforted in that light and we have a, a strength in our faith to face those challenges. The disciples and Thomas, Thomas's name's mentioned, struggled as we and we relate ourselves to that do today even though we want to be loyal as Thomas was showing himself to be very loyal in going but just saying look we're going to die but we don't fully appreciate or understand sometimes the power of God in that faith uh, Jesus says at the end of 15 nevertheless Let's go. Let's, we just got to go. And that's what he says at the Great Commission. Go with the gospel. Two letters. Go to sum it all up, to sum the confusion up and the, the fear and, and of man. And, and it's when that going, look at the, the, look, the, the, the transformation. And they went after this, you know, after Acts 2 in the early church. They went and... You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You're trying your best to discern God's will in your life and you're trying to follow it faithfully and obediently. And then just when you think you're on the right track, cruising along and accomplishing your best for God, bang, everything suddenly seems to go wrong. And uh, whether it's Mary, Martha, Hudson Taylor, the disciples, us, you, me, we simply sometimes don't understand. And, um, but what we learn is they did a proper response was the Lord wanted for the glory of God. And in verse 4, that God might be glorified thereby. Are we not constantly learning how to respond, how we also 
we learn, you know, the prophet Isaiah in 55.8. I'm just going to read that because it does fit very well. 55.8. For my thoughts, the Lord says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Very simply said, but very powerful. We have to accept we simply can't fathom how God works. We don't know everything. And it comes down to trust, faith, that our true devotion is trust that God does, like Romans 8.28, he does work all things together for good, even when he seems to change. It seems like he's changing his mind. We thought it was going one way and it was going to be, yeah, that's going to work. And then we get this detour. And, um, and there are many people that have had those detours. And just Fanny Crosby like how God used that. And there we've read one in a, a devotion book, just quickly. There was a, a um, town that grew cotton in America, and, but there's this weevil that came and, and destroyed their crops, and it was destroying their cotton industry, which was their main source of income. But then, you know, it wasn't about Christians got together and prayed, but it was... It was just pointing out that God can use something else even greater. Like, um, but that was the point of the devotion, how they were able to grow peanuts. The weevils didn't affect the peanuts, this beetle. And they've got a big monument, and I can't tell you the name of the town, but it's in America. I shared it at the youth group one night of this beetle that transformed the town because they were able to build big peanut factories and that became a greater industry and a, and a better um, um, profit for them for apparently a lot less work. Like, so it was just pointing out sometimes when things go wrong, we need to be steadfast, we need to carry on, and God may be um, pointing us in another direction. It's, ex and wait, it's the waiting, it's the hard thing. So we have in that, that's why we need to be in our devotion to the Lord as he comforts us. As Yes, that starts with salvation, in believing. Otherwise, um, the Lord can't use us at all. And we see that in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then our devotion in our sanctification as we see in the, you know, increasing the faith of Mary and Martha who believed and the disciples as obedient disciples of Christ and then the delay giving thanks for those things that that just as we've looked at that are according to plan and that they are a part of Christ's plans we we believe that and then the development walking in the light of obedience to God's will not in the darkness of not knowing and so let's pray as we commit this message unto the Lord as we're able to as individually and as a church glorify him dear heavenly father we do thank you for your word we thank you for the Lord Jesus' ministry to us, to our lives individually, Lord, as we see his person and work, his love, his compassion, his power at work according to your will, Heavenly Father. 
accomplishing that even which he did not want to do even in his death lord as a man but in perfect obedience as the son of god he went to the cross and we are so grateful for that lord because this is our salvation the forgiveness of our sins the cleansing through the blood of jesus christ and lord may we pray for our young people for their salvation and for their ministry lord for the work that you'd have them to do for their life partners lord all these things that they'll come to a crossroad lord in their lives that they need to make decision and that needs to be a wise decision and as we pray for each other lord in these setbacks and disappointments that we have as a local church in in our health and in in our finances in our well-being lord we do pray that lord you can be glorified as you draw people to yourself through us dealing with these hard situations these sad situations lord as jesus wept and saw the compassion and the the grief of that community lord may the community see us in our genuineness for one another lord we pray in jesus name we want to give you thanks amen